Legion of Dogs, your free resource for multi-dog living. So you had a topic you wanted to talk about? No, this was you. Um, you wanted to do that dog trainers dogs are naughty too. Oh, I thought it was you. No, but mine are also <laughs> naughty. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually had this discussion with a client the other day too. Uh, that's fine. why I thought it was you that came out with it. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Yeah. There's so much pressure to have perfect dogs when yeah. you're a dog trainer or a breeder or like, you know, a pretty serious dog sport competitor. Yeah. We're expected to have well-behaved dogs hundred percent of the time, no matter what's happening with the dog or the situation. Yeah. And, and it's not reality. No, it's not <laughs> fair. It's not fair to the humans. It's not fair to the dogs. I see people skipping out on events or skipping out on activities because they feel that extra pressure because they're either a high level competitor or they're a dog trainer and their dog just isn't that perfectly well-behaved thing that everyone expects from them. Yeah, I literally won't. Like we have a friend who's trying to organize a dog training group for everyone to get together and practice with 100% good intentions in a supportive environment. And there's no freaking way I would go with anything yeah. with my perfect dog. And it sounds bad, right? But if I'm going to sit there and have a dog who has over arousal issues scream, <laughs> of my peers, people are going to create an idea in their mind about my, me, my dogs, my program, what I do, how I deal with it. And I don't need that. <laughs> yeah. And I know the program you're talking about, and I've been interested in going as well, but I feel anxious about going for the same reasons. If I have a dog that's not like if my training isn't perfect timing, if I'm not on it, if I miss something, I feel like I'll be judged differently than the average person that's there with totally. their dog, you know? And, totally. And that affects our livelihood. It affects our whole, like, that's a, our, who we are as dog trainers. It's kind of part of a big part of our identity for us. It's huge. It affects everything we do because the majority of our life is based around our dogs. And hey, I took like, up a new hobby. I, I started knitting. <laughs> <laughs> There's something that doesn't have to do with dogs. <laughs> if Christina can knit on the side. <laughs> but like no, it, only it is hard. I can't knit anything fancy. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard. And then sometimes we'll have like friends or family members over and they're like, oh, why is this happening? You're a dog trainer. And it honestly, there's so many things that impact how our dogs behave beyond training. Yeah. I have two dogs under two right now. Oh, they right. They are not. Yeah. <laughs> well adjusted adult dogs they, they hopefully will be one day but they're not right now yeah and the stress of dealing with that without other people's eyes on you is already really high because mm -hmm. i think and i've had so many dogs so many dogs there's still always this little bit of doubt that goes am i screwing up this dog is this my fault <sighs> and it's it's annoying because it's always there every dog and they all turn out fine like <laughs> I have a five-year-old that was so reactive for years. Who's not? She thrives in urban settings now. And she's, yeah, she's one of lovely. the dogs I would take to a meetup group. <laughs> Which wouldn't like, benefit you at all. <laughs> no. Yeah. That is hard. It's hard for us. But I was talking to a client and she hired me because I don't live near her. 
and you do and she knows you and like (laughs) (laughs) i can't hire her what if she sees me out with my dogs and my dogs are not behaving and i know you so i'm like oh no she would probably stop and help (laughs) (laughs) but the reality is is even our clients and our our people that don't have so much at stake will feel that pressure to have these perfectly behaved dogs when again she's two dogs under two they are reactive she works her butt off and they're nice dogs and they're gonna get there but there's things that will cause them to react at certain points because we can't control everything in our environment yeah and it doesn't even have to just be reactivity it can be house soiling it can be um issues with pain and handling it can be your dog doesn't like to go to the vet clinic how embarrassing is that for a dog trainer try to take my dog to the vet clinic and they're scared or they're fractious with a vet that's hard too. Like my heart goes out to people who have those problems as well, because you feel isolated when that happens or that you have to hide who you are. It's sad. Yeah. I think the other piece is that the average person has an unrealistic expectation of what dogs are and who they are and who they should be. And especially us, we get higher intensity dogs. So we're less likely to have dogs that fit into that classic Disney mold of what a well-behaved, well-trained dog is. Like Maxie is perfect, um, other than some demand barking. But we don't typically go for dogs that fit into that stereotypical good dog mold. But if we look at Maxie, how did you get her? (laughs) Yeah, I did get her because she was going to be put down. she's just beautiful but the other thing to look at is that Riker who I also got from a bad place mm-hmm. he's never going to get there it's not a fair expectation for me to put on him to expect that he can go to all these big events and have dogs scream at him and kids jump on him and um every and still just keep his cool and be a therapy dog that's just not part of who he is and that wouldn't be a fair expectation for me to put on him and so yeah, Riker, we have to be careful when guests come over if they have kids. He loves adults, but we have to be a little bit cautious. And he is hyper excitable. So he gets a little excited about visitors, you know, and he does some resource guarding. And um, those are pretty minor problems. But when I talk to him, uh, to clients or to people about him, there's almost an expectation that because I'm a dog trainer, I should be able to turn him into that Disney perfect dog. Yeah, so that's kind of these false expectations we have of certain dogs that we get. And it permeates everywhere. I warn my clients now when they meet my Aussies. I'm like, they're going to jump on you. (laughs) And they're like, why? Aren't they well-trained? Like, yes, they're well-trained to jump off my body. (laughs) Very hard on that skill. (laughs) Because I compete in freestyle disc. So, like, I and I don't put controls on it anymore like I used to with my earlier dogs. Because I found... When I trained that way, I got lower performance out of them when I wanted it. Mm. So I'm sacrificing manners for sport performance. (laughs) And now I just warn people. um, And because my dogs are small, I haven't had an issue with it. And if they're meeting someone who's frail or kids, the dogs that would meet those people can do a stay. (laughs) So you can kind of manage it into things. But realistically my dogs bark because they're excited usually overexcited they'll jump on people 
Um, when they get together as a crew, it can be intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and man. because of that, I don't walk them off leash altogether either. Yeah. Well, I walk all four of mine off leash altogether, but I go into the middle of nowhere. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to see humans where I go. And the reason I do that is because when I have all four, Riker's recall isn't all that great because he doesn't like the pressure of the border collies. So I call the dogs, the border collies come charging in because that's what border collies do. And Riker's goes, oh, there's a lot of pressure there. So I lose my recall for him. Yep. If I hike him without them, he's perfect. And just last week, there was a logging truck coming where I didn't think there should be a logging truck. And uh, Riker did not come to me. And the logging truck stopped. <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> and Riker ran around wagging his tail, acting like that was his best friend in the whole world. And it was this super embarrassing. And I'm like, <laughs> glad I didn't have any of my logos on. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's not because he's a bad dog or I'm a bad dog trainer. It's part of who he is. And I set him up to fail. I go out in a scenario that I know his training level isn't there to have a rock solid recall in that context. And I go out anyways, but I do it safely out away from dogs or people. He's friendly too. He's not, he's not mm -hmm. dangerous. Yeah. I had that problem when I had a pointer, my Aussies would <laughs> keep him out when I recalled. Mm -hmm. So he stayed further out than he would if they weren't there. So sometimes our group dynamics and we have lots of dogs can change how well your dog can listen. And my two blue Merle Aussies, like together, they are a menace. They feed off each other. <laughs> Their protective instinct goes through the roof. They're both dog social, but you put them together and you wouldn't know it because they're just jerks. Like mm -hmm. I feel bad for any dog that has to meet them together. It wouldn't be fun. So, and like once they know the dogs, they were fine together with them, but they're, they're pushy and they circle and mm -hmm. not a good time. And there's only so much time in the day. We both have a lot of dogs. We train dogs for a living. Mm -hmm. And honestly, at the end of the day, I just want to go out and walk my dogs sometimes. I don't want to train. So when I hike my dogs, typically I'm not training other than some recall stuff, but I am just out enjoying my dogs, watching them be dogs, and I can just be a human out in nature. But yeah, when I'm out hiking, I don't necessarily want to be training all the things. And when you have so many dogs and so many dynamics, you could spend your entire existence training all the different um, permutations of that. And sometimes you just don't want it and you don't have to. Yeah, I found for my group right now, if I split them into pairs, so if I take story with Fable, Fable's behavior improves. So yes. it's such a good role model and the dog reactivity actually reduces and the overexcitement reduces and they play the same way. So it's like the easiest thing is to take those two. And then if I take Navy with Frankie, Frankie's going through the miniature dachshund ice cream and everything phase, which <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to get a wiener dog, know that this is going to happen. And if you can't handle it, don't get a wiener dog. Anyway, <laughs> in that phase. And Navy, who used to be reactive and who will feed off of Fable's reactivity and become worse, does not have a reaction when Frankie Pickles is reacting. It's yeah. like it's not even happening. So that's my second set. So for me, taking them out in pairs is actually less stressful than chancing it yeah. by taking them all four to the middle of nowhere because I have a terrible track record when I try to take my dogs to the middle of nowhere. I will run into a person or a dog or a herd of elk 
and <laughs> things will go sideways for me. Yeah. And right now where my anxiety goes, because we have lots of dogs and they're in various stages of training, it's just easier for my guys to do pairs. Yeah. But my husband has started walking them, all four of them, which is, this. he's never done all four dogs without me. He's been doing it. And they've been so perfect for him. <laughs> it's phenomenal. So sometimes, yeah. and I realized this when I had a dog walker coming, my dogs will react differently depending who's walking them. So the biggest thing we struggle with is guarding instinct. And when he walks them or the walker walks them, that goes away. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes too, like if you're having struggles or you're having stress, your dogs are embarrassing or causing anxiety, having a neutral party, if you can afford it, come in and help you mm -hmm. just by like walking your dogs or walking one of your dogs. Say two of them aren't great together. Having a person once or twice a week take one of the dogs, which gives you a chance to focus on only one while you're meeting needs of everyone can be so good. Yeah. And obviously every situation is different. I've had to play with my dynamics a lot to figure out what would work. But I do know that Fable with her over arousal barking and Frankie Pickles with her barking are not going to go on a walk together anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we have to not put such big pressures on ourselves or people and on anybody, really. Like, everyone's doing the best they can. And we don't know based on one interaction or what we're seeing out there, what's really going on for that person. And so like with everything in life, we should be a little kinder to ourselves and a little kinder to each other, especially when we see people are struggling. It's really easy to jump on social media and start messaging everyone about what we saw or imagine that's what everyone's doing. But, you know, a little bit of kindness goes a long way. Yeah, and sometimes you don't know a behavior issue is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you could be competing with the dog all the time and have that dog doing really well. And then one day out of nowhere, your dog's like, I'm out of here and pieces out of the ring, which happens to me. I think it's happened to you. Right. And you don't know why. And people will have judgments about that. And what we've found through experience is sometimes it's a development phase in the dog and the age. And sometimes it's a medical issue causing your dog to stress and remove themselves from that situation. And I've heard two things when this happens. One is the criticism. Oh, you're not a good trainer. But the other message I've heard is that happens to you too. And there's a sense of relief from people because yeah. it happens so, to so many of us. And depending what sport you're in and what you do with your dog, the situations will vary, but it, our dogs are not perfect all of the time. And everyone should know that. <laughs> <laughs> you can have so much experience and you can have trained the same types of dogs in the same sport for decades and you're still going to have situations pop up that are going to catch you off guard because they're animals and we can't guarantee how their behavior is going to be because we can't even guarantee that about humans and we can talk to them and discuss <laughs> things and dogs don't have that ability to go oh my stomach's upset today I'm not feeling good or I'm so excited I really want to go chase that you know, tent in the distance and bite it because my instincts <laughs> tell me to do this. And they can't tell us that and they can't process it. And they're not thinking it through either. They're just reacting to how they feel in the moment. 
And when people realize that, like sometimes too, if I'm competing and I'll be on the road, my dogs don't sleep as well, or they're getting car sick, or they're just stressed from being in a new environment. Sometimes I've gone out on the field and my dog's like, no, I don't know what a jump is anymore. Or, oh, I'm not going to get a Frisbee today. Thanks. I'm just going to watch you throw them while we sit together on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> and these are things that have happened to me over the years from some of my best sport dogs. And it's just realizing that even though they might love the sport too, and they might love what we're doing, it's not always their day. I want to do things. And it doesn't mean that they're not well-trained or they're not a good dog. It just means they're having an off day. That's okay. The worst though is when you're out in public with your dog and you're training them and a client walks by <laughs> and your training plan goes out the window because the client wants to talk to you or visit and you can't necessarily do all the things at once. Yeah. I've had that happen a couple of times. It's pretty stressful. <laughs> Yeah, I have that happen a lot. I often will just say, I'm sorry, I'm training and walk away or we need space or whatever's going on or explain what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty good at, at that part. But yeah, it's uh, it's hard. It's hard having dogs when you're under a microscope where you feel like you're under a microscope. Like right now, Jubilee's having a hard day, so she's barking. And um, I think that might be a pretty good spot to wrap it up because I want to I wanna take, go take care of my dog. Um, <laughs> But she's uh, she's having a hard day today. Yeah, she needs today's maximum care. She's not today's not the day I'm going to take her out and train in public. We're going to just go cuddle <laughs> and maybe go for a little walk in the woods or something. Oh, that sounds like a nice way to spend the day. <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else you wanted to add, Jay? Oh, that's all for me. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you'd like more information, don't forget to check out our website, our Facebook group, our page, and our blog posts.